All right, so we're going to start a review of Daf Kuf, Chaf number 120. And um, we really, yesterday's Daf, I never taught because <laughs> it was Shabbos and I wasn't able to do it. But um, um, we, I'm, I'm hoping that people were, got a chance to learn it and will uh, do the review of what we learned yesterday's Daf. It was an interesting uh, bunch of memras, bunch of quotes. Um, of course, on Daf Kuf Yutes number one nineteen, and uh, basically, um, you know, talking about the importance of having a place where the young children can learn, and it gets destroyed without it, and uh, we talked about another, and that's where we left off was on 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 one nineteen is that uh, Robert brought down that the Yushalayim was really destroyed because the trustworthy people were not to be found anymore. There was nobody you could trust. And um, and that the Pasuk implies that. That uh, he said, check the streets if you can find a man who is trustworthy, who is Osem Mishpat, so Mevakesh uh, and then Ve'eslachla, and then I would forgive it. That's what the Gemara says. So the Gemara asks on that is that actually there were people um, who were, there were Anshi Amunah, there were trustworthy people in Yerushalayim even at the time of the destruction. We quoted a Pasuk of the, the, this people who call somebody asking him uh, about the, the hidden areas of the Torah, if he knows about it, and uh, things that take a lot of effort to understand. You know, you, make, you mess up a few times until you're able to get it clear. And, um, and they want him to be the leader. And the person would say, I'm not fit for it. And he says, I don't know it. You know, like the person is saying, I can't. So he's, he's an honest guy. He's like, I'm not knowledgeable. I can't help you. Um, so you see that these people, there were people, um, and he says, I can I don't know Chumash, I don't know Mishnah, nor Gemara, and um, so the Gemara says, you see that this person is uh, honest people. So the Gemara says, that doesn't mean you're honest. When you're going to easily be caught on lie, so then that's called, uh, that, you know, that's, that's called, you just don't want to be caught a liar, you know? Not the same thing, and the same, th- and that's what the Gemara asks, is that actually after after you know the first Shiloh comes up and you're clueless, so uh, <laughs> what are you gonna say? So the Gemara says that's not true. Um, if he wasn't trustworthy, he could have uh, he could wiggle out of it and say, look, I did learn it, I forgot it, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure. I, I used to I, I I that this particular question is a little difficult. I have to remind myself. So that's the difference. Anyway. So that was the Gemara, um, and the Gemara, so the Gemara, that's Gemara's kasha, that he seemingly is a trustworthy person, because he could have lied and said that he learned it, and he didn't, um, and he forgot. So anyway, the Gemara says the difference is, is that you're right, people were honest when it came to Torah. Torah knowledge, they're telling this, tell, they tell it the way it is, yes, I do know, or I don't, or this, I, I need to learn, I'm not knowledgeable in that area, but in business... They're still crooked. So that's the, and that was the problem. There was nobody trustworthy in business. What do you mean? That's business. It's a different thing. All right. Brings us to the, to, again, we're on the topic of what you can save from a fire. So uh, we saw in the Mishnah that if, you, if there's a basket that, uh, that's full of loaves of bread, so even though it's enough for 100 meals, since you're saving it with one basket, it doesn't matter. And that's the truth with anything that's very large, because once you're taking it out, you don't have to start delineating how much is enough for each bag. That's not, that's not part of the requirement. 
uh, for each meal. You know, like only take out the minimum you can need for three meals. Um, so it talks about an eagle shaltvela. It talks about I know I need wine. So instead of taking, you know, pouring off three cups, I take a whole barrel of wine. That's also okay. So that's what the Mishnah says. Not only is he allowed to take for himself, he can tell others to go and save for themselves what they want. If they're smart, these others, then they can make a calculation and say, look, we worked this hard, we want some compensation for it um, after Shabbos. Now, where do you take the food? So the Gemara says that's to a chotzer, only to the chotzer, but a chotzer ha-mu'ureves, uh, that has an Eruv, and the Messiah says it doesn't even need an Eruv because, again, because of the extenuating circumstances. And that's where you're allowed to take out all the clothes. You can wear whatever you want to wear and wrap yourself on whatever you want to wrap and take it out. Rabbi Yossi was the one who says that actually there's only 18 garments that you can carry out um, and everyone else can wear also and take out what they need. Oh, so they could also wear the clothes out. So that's the idea. So the Gemara says, um, how is this Mishnah fitting in with the what we saw before, that you're only allowed to save three meals? So Rav Huna says, it depends, there's two things. There's one when you're coming to save, and the other thing is when you're, coming, when you're gathering everything. So when you're gathering separate things, so then you are limited to the three meals. But when you're coming to save, you can save, once you're saving, when it's in the basket already, you can save the whole thing, even though it's enough for many, many more than three meals. Um, so that's the Gemara's, uh, that's the story. Um, and we did see Rav Abba Bezab, the name of Yidi, in the name of Rav, that you could even say that when you're coming together, it's also the same thing. Um, and one is where you're coming to, um, where, so uh, one is where you're carrying it to this courtyard, then you can carry even much more. And if you're carrying to out to a different courtyard, then only enough for three meals. So Rav Hunabreda of Yeshua asked the question like this. He says that if you spread out a talis, and then you're wrapping, you're putting things in, and then you pick it up and move the talus, and then wrap more stuff in the same talus to carry the talus out. Is that called saving, and therefore you could save even more? Or is that called, since it's all in one going out? Or, you know, or is it, is, since you're gathering it up, so then you're limited to the same as the, just the three meals. So the Gemara brought down a source that actually Rav Shizbi made a mistake when he told something to Rav Chizda, and he said that you're not allowed to bring a keli that holds more than three meals, which is, this is talking about when you're saving from the wine. You can only save enough that's going to give you enough for three meals. You're not allowed to put it into a very large container. And actually, that was wrong. And therefore, you know, it's called, um, when you, even though you're gathering, but if you're gathering everything into one big container, like a big talus that you're spreading out and you're putting a bunch of food in, you could even take more than the three meals. And uh, the proof is, is because by the case of the kalim, it only said that you can't take more kalim. But if you're bringing a keli, as big as it is, and it's able to catch as much as it wants, even though that's more than three sudos, that would be allowed when the springs a leak on the, in the container of wine that's on the roof. I don't know if you remember, that was the case that we had um, a, a few days ago. Anyway, took us to the next thing, which was the eagle shaltvela. And it went to the next part of the Mishnah that the, if their people are smart, they would know to ask to, to basically 
um, they would make a cheshben. The question is, what's the cheshben? Basically, everything that's in the house at this juncture is hefker, because there's no thing that's going to be left after the fire. So they can keep it. What kind of cheshben are they going to make? So the Gemara says, we're not talking about regular people who are legally uh, taking whatever is legally uh, allowed, because, uh, of course, then they would be allowed to keep it at all. Altogether, that we're talking about people who are chasidim. Um, so midas chasidus that they don't want to take what's not there, so they want to give it to, to the person back. But they're going to make a calculation, so that you know that they should be paid for their time. So the says, "What kind of business? If you're a chasid, you got to be a chasid all the way, and you don't want to make money off of this. Well, you want to make schar shabbos. It's very inappropriate for a chasid, you know, to be worried. You know, like to to like." Yeah, I don't want any of the money, but I want to be paid for my time. Like, it doesn't really fit the type. So the Gemara says, you're right. What we're talking about over here is a Yare Shemayim. But he's mocked on his time. He says, look, it cost me time. That's Akbada. But I don't want to make money that, you know, on, on your suffering. So therefore, they're going to make a calculation and say, look, it would have cost, you know, my, my hourly normal work is this amount. So I want to make a calculation, and that they would be allowed to do that. That's not considered halachically schar shabbos. And interesting, interesting enough, though, even though it's not schar shabbos, midas chasidus would refrain from it as well. Okay, where are we taking it to? We're taking it to a chotzer mureves, according to Tanakama, or a chotzer sheinu mureves. So the Gemara says, um, why uh, did, did over here did he say um, take for you? And over there, he said, take for me. It's interesting. We switch off between the Lashon of what he's saying to them. Okay. Um, um, by the case of the clothes, he says, come and take with me. And over there, he says, take for, by the food, he says, take for you. What's the difference? That was the Gemara's question. So the Gemara explains. Um, so by, by food, he says for you, because um, I only can eat three meals worth. But uh, when it comes to clothes, um, that's not the, exactly the same thing, because um, eventually he will be able, I mean, all clo- clothes he has, you know, for the future, so therefore it's something that will remain, and that's the difference. Um, next thing we talked about is, as far as clothing goes, so we saw in the Brisa, in the Gemara, brought down that the person can wear as much clothes, go out, remove them, go back in, and take more clothes, and go back out even the entire day. That's Shittas Rameir. Rabbi Yossi says, that's not true. The only thing that you're allowed to take is the 18 garments. And it lists all 18 garments. I really can't uh, describe all these 18 garments because we don't really have them. But there's, uh, I never counted uh, regular person's garments, but you know, there's an undershirt, there's a, there's an overshirt, there's a jacket, there's a, a coat, there's a, the, you know, the other type of coat, there's uh, socks, there's you know, all the different various types of garments that they had, belts, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, d- various types of belts, uh, head- headdresses, um, um, robe, you know, all the kind of vests, all kinds of things like that. And basically it came out to a, a grand total of 18 garments that's listed. Okay. Next we saw in the Mishnah was Rabbi Shim Ben-Nanas who said that uh, there are things that you could do to help hold the fire back from from coming. And basically it's a, uh, the aura of the, the hide of goat goat hide it it does it it keeps it's an inhibitor from uh the the fire of spread from spreading and you can put it over things that would be highly flammable to keep it from spreading 
Um, and uh, also you can make a, a, a wall of kalim to block the fire from going beyond that. Um, and it doesn't matter if that kalim are full or empty. As, um, but, uh, but Rabbi Yossi says that if it's klicheres that are new, filled with water, then basically what you're doing is causing the fire, because the fire won't be able to withstand the fire because they're not fully hardened yet. And therefore, when the fire hits them, they're going to crack. And if they're going to crack, then the water's going to spill out and it's going to put out the fire. So Rabbi Yossi says that is not allowed. Now, um, so the Gemara brought down, reviewed the name of Rav, that if there's a fire on a talus, on one side of the talus, you could put water on the other side of the talus. If that puts out the fire, good. Um, so that's not a problem. Um, the problem is, is that we had a question on that, is that a talus that the fire is on from one side, you can take it off and put it on. And if that might put it out, it's okay. Same thing with, with the Sefer Torah. If there's a fire on it, you can take it off, read it. And if that puts it out by opening it and closing it, you know, then that would also, it doesn't bother us that you're putting off the fire indirectly. So, um, so it doesn't, yeah, but here you're adding the water. So the Gemara says, you're right. He holds like the Tanakama, like uh, Reb Shimon Benanas. Uh, one second, let me just put on the mute. Um, he holds like Reb Shimon Benanas, who, uh, who, who, so the Gemara says, but Reb Shimon Benanas says that you're only allowed to put on the hide. That's not really a Gram Kiboy. So the Gemara says, actually, if you look in the Sefer, Reb Yossi says, Klicheres Chadashim, that are filled with water you can't use, um, uh, because they're going to put out the fire. Doesn't that imply that the Tanakama holds that you could do that, even though it's a Gram Kiboy? So that, obviously, he holds like the Tanakama that cause, causative putting out of a fire, according to Rav, is okay. Next, we talked about if there's a, a candle that fell, a candle that's on a table. You can shake the tablecloth or table so it'll fall to the ground and put out the fire so it wouldn't catch on the cloth. And uh, if it goes out, it goes out. You're not, you don't have to worry. Rav, uh, the school of Rav Yane says that that's only if you forgot it there because if you placed it there intentionally, then it becomes a bustles of Dover Asr, then you can't move the table. That's a separate problem. We saw about a, a candle that's behind the door. You can open and close the door, irregular, and if that puts out the fire, that's not your problem. And Rav Kurt was very angry on that allowance. So Ravina said to Rav Acha, Rava, what is the reason of Rav's anger? Is it because he, Rav holds like Rav Yuda, but the Tana holds like Rav Shimon? So why is that a Tana? Yeah, so you hold like Rav Yuda, I hold like Rav Shimon. Rav Shimon's a good Jew too. So the, why was that a, not a reason that he should get angry? So the answer why he was upset is because he, he said even Rav Shimon wouldn't allow it because this is a psikresha. So if the candle's right there, you open and close the door, it's going to put out the candle. That's a psikresha. It's definitely going to happen. And therefore, um, that would be prohibited, even according to Rav Shimon. Next we saw as Rav Yudha says a person can open the door um, even though there's a, a a big fire, let's say, you know, your fireplace is opposite the door, and you could do that on Shabbos, and Abai was angry at that. Now, what's the case? If it's a regular wind, so it's not going to make a mess. You know, the fire on the opposite end of the room in the fireplace is not going to be affected by opening the door um, if it's a regular wind. So why would it be prohibited? And if it's a very unusual wind outside, so by me opening the door, it's going to really affect the fire and, you know, flare it up. So then why would it be allowed? So the answer is we're talking about where it's a regular fire. And the reason why there was an issue, according to Abayi, is because do we make a opening the door when it's not a big wind 
for when it will be a big wind, and that's the issue. All right. Next thing we talked about making a mechitza of the kalim. So the we see that the rabbanon hold gram kibuyis motor, and Rabbi Yossi holds gram kibuyis also. The problem is, is that seemingly we see opposite in a brisa. The brisa says that uh, you can make a mechitza with empty vessels and with filled vessels that don't normally break. What is uh, considered full vessels that don't normally break if it's metal? And Rabbi Yossi says not only that actually other materials, uh, the the kalim from Kfar Shichin and the kalim from Kfar Hananya also don't break. Now, it sounds like the Tanakhama is holding that it can't be breaking kalim. And Rabbi Yossi is the one who's adding more and saying that those things are also good. Now, so what do you want to do? You want to switch the Mishnah and Rabbi Yossi of the Bryce is going according to the Chachamim? That also doesn't read. Um, you can't split it. You can't switch it because Rabbi Bartachlifa says the name of Rav that the Tana of Gram Kibbutz that's us is Rabbi Yossi. So obviously we don't switch it. The Bryce is going, is all Rabbi Yossi talking and you have to like fill in the blanks. Basically what it's saying is this. You're allowed to make a Mechitza with empty Kalim and full Kalim if they're not going to break. What is kelim that don't break? Metal and kelim of kvar shichin and kvar chananya are also don't normally break. And how do I know that? Because Rabbi Yossi says these kelim are not normally don't normally break. So there you go. That was the answer. It's Rabbi Yossi all along who's the Tana. So the Gemara says, but there's still a contradiction in Rabbanon and in Rabbi Yossi. Why? Because the Bryce says that if there's a shem Hashem written on a person's um, skin. So he wrote it with ink on his arm, the name of Hashem. Not a good idea, and we'll see why. Okay? So, um, the, the, so what, what do you do? Um, you're not allowed to go to a bath, you're not allowed to uh, rub oil on it, and you can't even stand in a bathroom with, your, with the, the name of Hashem written in there, because you're not allowed to bring the name of Hashem into a bathroom. If it turns out that there's a tefillah of a, a mitzvah, so then you wrap yourself around it and then you go into the mikvah. Okay? Um, and Rabbi Yossi says you could go in the mikvah without it, as long as you don't rub it. So it sounds like the gram mechika, according to Rabbi Yossi, is not a problem. And the Rabbanon is saying it is. And uh, so the Gemara says it's different. Over there, there's a pasuk that says, that you need to erase the name of the idols and don't do so to Hashem. So only thing that's a problem is when you do so, when you an action involved. Is there a question? Uh, I had a question. I was just going to wait. On the Sefer Torah, when it was um, on fire, are you allowed, I know you said you could open and close it. Are you allowed to do like Hagba? A Hagba? It sounds like, it didn't mention the Hagba. It just says, Doing things that are not directly putting it out—that's what's allowed. So I don't know. What, I don't know what. I don't know where you draw the line, but uh, I would assume that it's anything like that. It, it, it what would probably put it out more is when you're rolling it on the table. You know, it'll uh, more likely um, you know put it out. So that's why I think that's why they gave that as an example. Okay. All right. Anyway, um, so the question is, what about this person who's got to go to the mikvah now, 
but it's going to erase Hashem's name. So the only reason why it's a problem there is because it says, It's only when it's an actual action. If it's a causative action, then it's perfectly permissible. So the Gemara says, if that's true, that should apply by Malacha too. It says, Which means only an action of a Malacha is prohibited, a Grama is Mutter. So the answer is, you're right. Grama really is mutter. But since a person is all worried about his money, if you let him do gram kiboy, then he's going to come to do real kiboy. That's the reason. So in other words, it's exam the Rabbanon where it leads to. So the Gemara says, still, we have a contradiction in the Rabbanon. Because if even when a person is bala mamono, it's permissible, they said you could even do a gram kiboy. So over here, of course, you should be allowed to do a gram of a, of a mechika, of an erasure of the name of Hashem, because it was unintentional. And there's no uh, reason why we would assume that it's worse. So the Gemara says, let's try to understand the Rabbana a little better. What are, you, what, what are you wrapping on your arm that has Hashem Hashem on it? If it's tight, so then what kind of mikveh? It's not going to work. It's a chaditza. If it's not tight, so basically the water's coming in and it's not helping. It's still getting wet and it's still might erase. So the Gemara answers, it must be um, uh, that, uh, that it's basically, it's ink together with uh, water and basically, and uh, when, it, when it's dry, they create a chatzitza. But when they're fresh, it's not a chatzitza. But, uh, okay, so it's not a chatzitza, but because it's fresh ink, and it went into the mikvah. But the question is, what's the gami for? So the pshat in the Chachamim, as explained by Rav Barshila, is that uh, they hold that you can't stand with the Shem Hashem while you're naked. And that's the issue. And therefore, it's just that the Shem Hashem should be covered to protect it from, you know, from being in front of the naked person. And that's in front of himself, right? So that's what the issue is. What is, why does Rabbi Yossi hold? He doesn't hold that problem. So the answer is, Rabbi Yossi holds, it's good enough to have your hand covering the Shem Hashem. So what's wrong with that idea for the Rabbanon? Why do you have to wrap it? Because the person might forget to hold it down, and that would be the issue. And Rabbi Yossi, ah, isn't he afraid that it might forget? So the Gemara says, um, if there's something, the question is this, is there some other means, if there's something handy, available, to wrap around it, then everybody would agree that's the better way because you might forget to take your hand off the Shem and you're not allowed to take it off. So, um, therefore, that's the better way to go, if, especially because it allows the water through, but it, it covers the name. So the question is, if there is something available, even, even Rebiosi would say rapid. We're talking about over here, do you have to go find, go seek it out? Kurtarabonon, they say Tefillah Bismana is, is okay, it's not a mitzvah. You don't have to do the tefillah right away. So it's no rush. To wait, we'll wait till you find the right thing and then you'll go to the mikvah. And uh, Rabbi Yossi says that tefillah bismana is a mitzvah and therefore between the balance of what's the right thing to do is uh, you want to do the... So uh, you don't, you, better to do the tefillah bismana and hope for the best that you won't forget to uncover it, uh, that you won't by, by accident let your hand off of that area. Um... And that's the difference. Um, so the Gemara says, is that true that Rabbi Yossi really holds Tfil Bizman as a mitzvah? It's a price that says that, that, uh, that basically seems to quote Rabbi Yossi as saying that, uh, 
there's no need to go to the mikvah if it's in a minchol In that case of uh, it's going through when people go to the mikvah, certain thing, certain people needing the mikvah go in the daytime, certain people needing the mikvah go at night. But we did see Rabbi Yossi saying that if it's in the afternoon, there's no re- to, reason that you have to go to the mikvah. You could wait already till night. So, um, so the Gemara answers that wasn't the same Rabbi Yossi. That's Rabbi Yossi Rabbi Yuda, um, who says that uh, that you could just do a tefillah, that tefillah bismana is not a mitzvah. You could do it at any time, and that was the difference. And that is um, where we, uh, I hope, <laughs> that's where I left off yesterday, and we'll start from the Mishnah. Let me just.